I want to tell you a little bit of, of uh, context of the scripture Cody's going to get to read to you right now. It comes from 2 Corinthians, so it tells you that it's a letter written to what church? Corinth. Corinth. Yes, exactly. Good job, church. All right. And uh, so you know that Jerusalem was the mother church, right? You know that the, the early Christians first gathered in Jerusalem, yes? Yes, you do. And you know that then after that, they scattered out to the then known world. And Paul, of course, who wrote 2 Corinthians, was one of the greatest evangelists of all time. So he's in contact with a lot of churches, including Corinth and the church in Macedonia. What has happened here in history is the church in Jerusalem has gone into hard times. They, they're having trouble not only feeding the poor, but feeding themselves. It's really crisis time in the church in Jerusalem. And so the, the plea goes out by the evangelists to the churches that have been started by the mother church. Listen, let's send some support back there to help out those who first gave us the faith. Let's help feed them. And so they pitch this offering request to the universal church. And so Paul has just heard from what had happened in Macedonia in response to this. And now he's writing Corinth about that news. Listen to what Cody has to say. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already be made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Cody. Would you join with me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as you continue now to pour your blessings upon us, give that discerning wisdom to hear the truth in your holy word, and even more, the truth that you have intended for each of us personally today, however it might live out in our life. For it is our desire that because of our gathering here today, we not only share and give strength to each other, but we find it for ourselves, for faithful living. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This past week, one of you came into my office for a conversation. We had a great hour or so in conversation over many topics that my friend wanted to talk about. But I didn't realize where the conversation would end in the story that he would tell me. He he, uh, as he, just before he's getting ready to leave, he said, I, I want to share with you that a number of years ago, uh, you told a story in one of your sermons. And as he told it to me, I remembered it. It was a story about two brothers who were estranged from each other and how in their estrangement they lived side by side but no longer talked to each other or saw each other, had anything to do with each other. And the story went on to say what happened in their journey. My friend who was sitting there said, I heard that story and I took that story home with me and it stayed with me for some time, just kept working within me. You see, my friend had a brother with whom he was estranged. Families hadn't talked for a long time. So he listened to that story as it spoke to him over and over again in his own heart and mind and it motivated him to begin to take action. So he started to make a gift 
for his brother's family. And he makes this gift. And I was never told what the gift was. For that isn't what matters. What matters is the motivation for why he made the gift. And an attempt to listening to the stirring of God within him to do something with that stirring and put it into action. So he makes this gift, and as it happens, he completes making the gift right at Christmas Eve. And so he goes over unannounced to his brother's house, knocks on the door, and there's nobody at home. So he leaves the gift on the front porch and goes back to his house and didn't hear anything for a couple of days. And then on the third day, received a phone call from his brother, a brother who had not made that phone call for many many years. As he shared with me that story, he did it with emotion. He did it with tears. And in telling that story, I asked him, could I tell his story to you today? Because I wanted you also to have a chance to be inspired by what he was saying to me, that when we listen to the stirring of God, whenever it comes to us, however it comes to us, it can motivate us to take action, to do things They become life-giving gifts to the world. That we are not here in an exercise of passive listening. We are here in an exercise of, of anticipation. What is it that we might be able to do for God to give a gift to the world this week in whatever way we will live it? In the scripture for today, Paul is telling the church at Corinth, I need to tell you about Macedonia. Because of this offering that we were asking for, Macedonians heard about it, and they were so stirred to action that they gave generously. But we all know the Macedonians really don't have any money. In fact, they're very poor. And it was out of their poverty and generosity they gave a significant gift. He's telling that to the Corinth church, not so they would be shamed into giving more, but rather encouraged, celebrated, giving them the formula of how do you do this? How do you become a gift giver, giving gifts of life in the world? He says it here. He says, first of all, you let yourself live in the grace of God. This is not a math formula. You live in the grace of God, and you experience the grace that God has been pouring out among you. And you've listened to the stories today from the Woodwards and and from the Phillips, and you know the stories in your own journey, how God is washing around you and upon you in your own life, bringing hope and joy And you live in that grace. And then you give yourself first to the Lord. And when you live in grace and then say, Lord, I'm going to take the next step with you, whatever you offer next is a holy life-giving gift that often surprises both the ones who gave the gift and the ones who receive it. I think it's really interesting that nowhere in Scripture is it recorded what the amount of the gift was for Macedonia. I think it's really interesting. Nowhere is it recorded the amount of gift that the Corinth church gave. And I don't think that's by accident. I think they knew back in the day that they weren't going to include numbers in this scripture because you know what we would have done with the numbers? We would have extrapolated them. We would have figured out, well, what was the percentage of the income of the church and how much they gave, and so that becomes faithful giving. And so if you don't get to that level, you're not a faithful giver, but if you give that amount, you're faithful. You know how you do with numbers around here, don't you? They play in your head, and we use them to justify ourselves. We use us to feel bad about ourselves, and none of that has anything to do with what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about being the kinds of people who surrender ourselves into the grace of God, being the kind of people who give ourselves to the Lord, and then let 
that become the motivation for why we let our very lives become the gifts of life for the world. When we focus on Christ and live in grace, so much changes from seeing things from simply the numbers issue. Let me be clear. Numbers matter. The number of the offerings by Macedonian Corinth impacted how many people could be fed in Jerusalem. The numbers matter. I'm not saying that numbers don't matter. But I'm saying numbers are not the motivation for why we give. We give because we are Jesus' people. But we also give not only numbers. We give our heart. We give our soul. We give our talents. We give our abilities. And I wonder how many of us walked into today thinking, I wonder in the week ahead, how can I give the gift of life to somebody? How am I positioning myself to be a gift giver in the world today? I'm going to tell you right now, tell me if I'm wrong, the message of the world today is to hunker down and be discouraged and feel like you've got to protect yourself rather than enter into the week thinking, I'm going to be a gift giver. Am I wrong? except in the church of Jesus Christ, where we understand that we are claimed by the ultimate gift giver and invited to go out and give gifts. And I don't know how you're going to need to do that this weekend. You don't either. Because I have no clue what I will encounter tomorrow in my life. But I can today begin to make decisions about how I will approach it out of scarcity or abundance, out of despair or hope, Am I ready to give the gift of life? Jason Mars is one of my favorite singers. Anybody like Jason Mars with me? Well, you guys got to get a better playlist. Come on. <laughs> Jason Mars is phenomenal. If you haven't heard his songs, look it up. If you don't know how to look it up, then I don't know how to even talk to you anymore. <laughs> but Jason Mars is one of the favorite composers and singers of our time, and he's fantastic, and he plays great guitar, he's acoustic, and he has a lot of songs out and he has this song that you need to listen to. You need to listen. I wanted to sing it to you today, but I'm going to be gracious and give you life. I want you to go listen to this song by Jason Mars this week. It's called, I Want You to Have It All. Take time to write it down. I'm actually going to give you time. Some of you, should I write? Yes, write it down. Jason Mars, M-A-R-Z, I want you to have it all. YouTube it, not during the sermon. But in that song, he has this line, may you have no possessions, but immense wealth. May you have no possessions, but immense wealth. You may have remembered that over the last year or two, I've told you one or two or five hundred times that I believe God has caused us to become the most radically generous community of faith beyond our wildest imagination for the sake of Jesus Christ. And that stirring in my heart that became as clear to me as a phone call from heaven a year and a half ago came to me to understand I wasn't talking about paying off debt. I was talking about character. I was talking about mission. I was talking about the spirit by which we live. I was talking about being the kinds of people the world comes to because they know their generous ones are there. Because that's what the Christian church used to be known for. In the, in the book we call the Bible, the church was called the way because it was the place where the generous people lived who cared for the people who had need. We are called to be those people. You heard a Rick come up today and give you a, a pretty amazing number. 
43% of your goal for the capital campaign has already been raised by a number of families that stepped up. And I know what happens. I know what we do. I know what we do. We say, well, they went to the rich people and they gave all that money because they got wealth. You're wrong. You're flat out wrong. I'm here to tell you right now that I have learned in doing this job for over 40 years, the rich people are not normally ones who give you the most. And if you feel guilty about that, good. All right. (laughs) No, I'm going to tell you this right now. People we went to, yeah, of course, some had capacity. Of course they do. I'm not an idiot. But the reason they gave wasn't because they had capacity. It's because they had hearts that love this church. The reason they gave is because they've been loved by this church. The reason they raised $1.3 million before we went to the church isn't because we went to the rich people, but because we went to people we wanted to give the opportunity to say, can you help encourage the rest of the congregation? Can you be our Macedonians? And out of love and out of poverty and out of passion, can you give what you're called to give? I want you to be givers of life this week from the same place. Not only in how you fill out your pledge card, that matters. I'm not going to dismiss it. But I'm also going to suggest by what you do tomorrow as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to home, where are you going to live and how are you going to live generously? Because the world needs you. Because the world is starving for somebody to be generous with their love and with their grace and with their support. And you're the ones to do it. Today we come and receive this sacramental meal. Remember how we got it? Because of the one who gave more than anyone could ever give to the world and said at the end of it all, I'm going to give myself that you might have life so that you might give the gifts of life. And so my fellow friends on the faith journey, come take your meal at this table. Come and eat. Come and receive And then go out and give away it all. Do not count your possessions. Count your immeasurable wealth. And be the givers of life to the world that God is calling us to be. All right? All right? Amen.